Hey friends, this is Wendy Love Edge. As listeners of our podcast, we want you to get to know us and each other better. So we're bringing us all together on a new app called Relevant. It's the place to unite our community and connect with each other. Relevant is a live audio chat app where you can join chat communities called Vibes. What I love about it is that it's really interactive and we can really get to know each other. We'll be doing live talks, Q&As, open mics, and giveaways with you. So come on over and join the Wendy Love Edge Show vibe right now and say hi. That's Relevant, R-E-L-E-V-N-T, available on the App Store and Google Play. This is the Wendy Love Edge Show with Topher Kogan, sponsored by 131 Inclusion Gallery and Caris Healthcare. This is Season 4, Extended Episode 10. Our guests are holistic nurse Marissa Fratoni, Wendy and Tommy Turner, Danielle Simone Brand, and Dale Stokes. Oh, Wendy, Topher, she got a lot of love, yeah, that's for sure. Got music and movies, and friends and medicine. Yeah, is the show for me and you, the one you love to listen to. And oh, you got your friends, see it through. Seek's laughter is medicine too. Said it's medicine to be. You are tuned in to the Wendy Love Edge Show with Topher Kogan, where we don't dispense medical advice and all your health choices are your own. Here's Topher. <laughs> hey, Wendy. How are you? I am doing great today. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a little cold. It's so cold, actually. Yes, it right? is uh, uh, um, uh, uh, muy uh, uh, frigid. <laughs> muy frigid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it was really warm and then it flipped completely. And uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm hoping I'm hoping that this is, is that this is as cold as it gets. Um, I really don't want, um, you know, snow in uh, March or April. That's something that happens in Massachusetts, not in Arkansas. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's we'll hope. see. <laughs> yeah, man, well, this is a really um, great episode. I think it's a really important topic. Uh, mm -hmm. cannabis and parenting there's so many different aspects of that um but I got to thinking about when I was a kid right and I grew up in the 70s I smoked my first joint when I was 12. Ooh, yeah how dangerous <laughs> like how dangerous and daring <laughs> right but you know I think um yeah and so I I did smoke uh 
off and on during my teen years and in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and my parents had no idea. They had yeah. no idea. I was someone who got really good grades, did well, was motivated. I was danced and worked. And so I don't think that it impeded me in any way. In fact, I think it really helped me. Mm -hmm. But I remember my brother, <laughs> my brother had an ice cream truck in the 70s. Uh-huh. <laughs> that he sold weed out of. And they had no idea until they found like a pound of weed in his bedroom. Oh my goodness. And their response was to put him in the car and have him watch them dump it onto the highway as they drove. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so mean. <laughs> And tell him that if they ever found any again, they would take him to the police station. So they were really indoctrinated by the drug mm -hmm. war and reefer madness. Um, and it's weird because they were really open-minded people. Yeah. You know? So I, I really think that that's what happened. They were indoctrinated by all the propaganda. As someone that has never been a parent, but has um, seen, you know, parenting of all um, shades and styles, I think really, you know, like it all stems from, you know, I'm trying to do the best to 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 make this child capable and okay, you know, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. so you know, yeah, it's just it's just um, propaganda, like you said, and misinformation, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah, and I mean. The thing is, um, I then, you know, went to college and worked in a health field for 25 years and really didn't think about cannabis for myself at all. I didn't smoke, um, mm -hmm. didn't use any of it. Um, in fact, <laughs> I was the I was the boss, you know, so I had people drug tested yeah. when they were seeking employment and did not take people who tested positive for THC, um, mm. you know, so. Um, you know, the times, unfortunately, they're still doing that even in legal medical states. But, um, but, and also, I had children that probably would have benefited from some cannabis medicine for different things that were going on with them, but it never even crossed my mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How did your parents deal with it? Um, so I, I'm trying to think of when. So, uh, so, uh, my parents knew I was pretty much just like a square. I was, they were like, okay, well, this is the boring one. So, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> you were the boring one? <laughs> I was the boring one. I am really shocked <laughs> about that. Yes. Wow. This is, this is why, this is why, um, you know, uh, you don't see uh, most of, um, well, at least, I was, never mind, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Like I was like the boring kid. So I really didn't um, get like, um, start like dabbling in, um, in uh, cannabis until I think like halfway through college maybe. Oh, okay. Um, and then even like in that, it was, you know, very, you know, half-heartedly. I didn't tell my parents about it because I was like, oh no, they're going to be like, what are you doing? You're on drugs. Stop it. Stop <laughs> oh, it. No, you know? right. But it wasn't until um, I was in an elevator and then I like, like sniffed around and I was like, what is that smell? And then it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, this smells like my grandpa's house. 
<laughs> I love that. I and, love that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so and so then I was just like, okay, they they must know about they must that like 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 to come from like 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 to to come from a parent that, you know, just uses it, you know, it's like, okay, maybe they'll be, you know, really lax about it and very chill about it. And for the most part, they are, um, you know, um, and so um, I have been uh, slowly trying to indoctrinate uh, both of my parents um, oh, nice. into the house of cannabis. <laughs> You're educating uh, them. You're educating <laughs> them. <laughs> yes. I'm glad that they're open to learning from you mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. They, maybe they'll become enthusiasts and find... Yes. jobs that will accept that <laughs> or yes. you know as soon as soon as the law changes um they're going to be high all the time <laughs> high all the time as soon as soon as the laws of like you're going to be drug tested w- when you're not at work like mm-hmm. as soon as like as soon as everybody kind of like gets on the same page of like oh stop testing for drugs right, right. yeah they're going to be high yeah <laughs> That's your, that's your, that's the prediction. <laughs> yes, it is yeah. uh, my prediction and goal and mission in life. Right, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Well, coming up next, we have holistic nurse mama, Marissa Fratoni. Today, I am joined by holistic nurse mama, Marissa Fratoni, BSN RN. She is a nurse, yoga teacher, wellness coach, cannabis advocate and educator, writer, and mother. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you, Wendy. It's a pleasure being here. Yes, I haven't seen you in quite a while, although I I see your work on social media. Thank you so much for everything you do. Ditto. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so, um, So today, the topic is parenting and cannabis, which you are perfect for. Um, and I, I thought maybe we could kind of go through the, the life cycle, kind of starting with pregnancy. So okay. um, what are some of the key issues surrounding pregnancy and cannabis? We really don't know, you know, uh, in terms of research, what the full effects, short-term, long-term, you know, um, mm-hmm. are related to cannabis exposure for, uh, you know, a developing fetus, um, right. uh, you know, and an infant. And it's hard because there's not, uh, we can't do a lot of research here in the U.S. with the medicine being still schedule one. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Oh, yeah. And then, preg- I mean, pregnant women are typically precluded from dr- uh, any kind of clinical trials. I mean, even mm-hmm. right now with like, you know, the COVID vaccines, you know, you'll, you're, we're finding that, you know, pregnant women have, are not necessarily included. Um, mm-hmm in these studies, which is, it's problematic because pregnant women are, you know, certainly they're getting the vaccine. Um, And so the way that the, the way that, you know, typically works is that, um, you know, they, there are pregnancy registries set up Mm -hmm. so that women who have had the vaccine administered, they can go register on these registries and they can, you know, they'll be followed by a research team or scientist who will, you know, basically, um, you know, interview them, take, you know, uh, data, um, and, you know, and then they, you know, from there, other pregnant women can use that data to determine whether or not they want to use, uh, to have the vaccine. Or the not. vaccine, right. So that's an um, example of kind of how it works. Um, yeah. You know, but pregnant women are 
given different big pharma products. And, oh. and uh, I don't know how much research there's been in pregnancy for those medicines. Generally speaking, not a whole lot. Again, you're, I mean, if you're looking at a lot of, you know, of the um, of pharmaceutical medications, you're going to find a lot of uh, pregnancy registries where, you know, um, you know, like I, I know a lot of the Boston, um, the Boston University hospitals, uh, you know, there a lot of them uh, conduct these, you know, essentially retrospective survey-based studies, mm -hmm. you know, to determine like, you know, one big category is anti-epileptic um, drugs. Mm -hmm. So right. AEDs, you know, there's these registries where women who have seizure disorders, they can report, you know, what are the effects that they have when they're taking their medications during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, so, but there's no like, you know, there's no clinical trial that says, yes, uh, this is defined completely safe, you know, right. prior to that drug hitting the market for pregnant women. So they could do that with cannabis, but they're not going to, I'm guessing, until federal prohibition ends. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's a big disservice because we do know that, you know, pregnant women, it is the number one illicit drug mm -hmm. used by pregnant women in the world. Wow, um, wow, I did not know that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I would imagine it could help with nausea and, you know, different sure. things that are common in pregnancy, uh, but yeah. we just need more data and information so it could be safe, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the other part of that is, you know, the cannabis um, that a lot of women can access um, or, excuse me, a lot of pregnant people can access. I'm right. working. Right. <laughs> right. I've come to a new informed place. Um, so, <laughs> right. You know, um, you know, we have to think about, you know, is that cannabis, is that, is that product tested? Is it, you know, is, um, cannabis is a bioaccumulator. So, you know, when mm -hmm. it's growing, it can, it can take up anything in, the, in its grow matrix and its soil and its water. Um, so we worry about heavy metals and toxins mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, arguably that could be a greater risk to the developing fetus than the cannabinoids and the terpenes. How interesting. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. Yeah. So <laughs> these are things that we have to consider and, you know, we're, we're stuck with policy um, you know, it's all about, it, it's sort of all or nothing when it comes to pregnancy and breastfeeding and lactation and all this sort of stuff. And it's a real disservice because now you have women, pregnant people using cannabis under the radar. They're not being open with their health providers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we do see, you know, that in some cases, um, cannabis use is associated with, you know, a lower birth rate, higher risk of admission to the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, and because we're stuck in this, you know, research desert because of schedule one, it's really hard to determine what's driving those factors. Right, you know? right, so. right. Um, so let's move forward a little bit um, and talk about parents who um, use cannabis as medicine in the home and uh, what, what are the issues surrounding that? Um, you know, if there's smoking at home and there are children there or if it's in the house, um, yeah. What are your thoughts about that? So, uh, you know, one of the one of the biggest issues um, is, of course, children gaining access to cannabis medicine. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's a lot of cannabis products on the market that, you know, they're they're not marketed to children, but they're certainly interesting to children. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things is, of course, cookies, brownies, 
chocolate bars, sure. uh, gummies, gummies. Here, Who here isn't excited about those things? Exactly, right? <laughs> right? So you have, we do, you know, um, there's that risk and mm-hmm. that could put parents at a real crosshairs with Child Protective Services. Mm-hmm. It could also present, depending on where they are, real real legal challenges. So sure. um, parents really need to know what the state laws say, wherever, you know, so whatever your home state is as a parent, you really need to look into the cannabis laws, um, very often called marijuana laws, because we haven't evolved. They mm-hmm. haven't come to a new informed place yet. Um, sure. Right. <laughs> but right. you, you, you want to be mindful of what the regulations say and what your risks are as a parent. Um, honestly, in my opinion, parents are the least protected um, category of cannabis patient and user. Wow. It is really important. That's great advice. Whatever state you're in, take the time to look it up and know what your risk is. Yes, Um, because it could run the gamut. You could have an open investigation from Child Protective Services where they come in, they check your home, they see that your children are not neglected or abused, they have all of their needs are met, and that investigation is closed. And that's like sort of the best case scenario should Mm -hmm. Child Protective Services get involved. But in certain states, um, that don't have any legal programs or anything. Parents, um, and even in states where we do have legal programs, you run the risk of losing your custody rights. Um, and you know there are there are parents in prison for the plant. Wow, that's a huge, unacceptable risk. You know, it is. Yeah, it is. yeah. So let's move forward to the teen years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's I, that's when I first started using cannabis as a teenager and uh, well I was a young teenager I think I mentioned it earlier in the episode I was 12 actually (laughs) Um, (laughs) so so I know that kids are being offered it at very young ages Um, Mm -hmm. and what are the risks around that we do know there's some evidence that um, you know cannabis use in adolescence is associated with you know some problems with brain development Um, it could affect a child's uh, you know there's some research that suggests that you know a child who uh, uses or, or abuses cannabis during the adolescent years, they could um, cause problems with their frontal lobe development, um, which sets them up for you know they're at risk for depression, anxiety, difficulty you know with focus, difficulty with making decisions. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's yeah, certainly and- some challenges there. And those things are the very things that they may be using it for without even realizing it. I know for myself, it really helped with, I didn't even know I had anxiety, um, you know, or, or depression, but I, I knew that when I smoked, I felt better. Right. So, uh, but, but I think that it's really important for young people to understand these things and for parents. The other side of that spectrum, though, is these studies are typically looking at normally developing brains. You know, these are healthy, normally developing brains, you know, and so there are certainly children, adolescent, you know, there are people throughout the lifespan that require cannabinoids, you know, Mm -hmm. they really do. It's a a therapeutic, it's necessary medicine, Mm -hmm. you know, so, but when we look at the studies, you know, regarding the developing brain, um, they tend to focus on the normal, healthy developing brain. They're not talking about the kids who are struggling with 
uh, all sorts of anxiety and depression issues. And, you know, I mean, we have, mm-hmm. we have an immense amount of children now that are dealing with, you know, suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. um, you know, mental health disorders are sure. through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there are, you're, we're seeing more and more adolescent, um, adolescents and their families, you know, really seeking cannabinoids as a, an alternative to what is offered in the conventional medical field. So. Right, because some of the big pharma products that are in conventional medicine can actually have pretty harmful side effects also. They do, mm-hmm. they absolutely do, yeah. And yeah. then that's the thing. So, you know, all things considered, cannabis really does, it needs to be elevated to the level of these other medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, the delivery is different and that's the big hinge point. It's mm-hmm. a what we consider a dirty drug. It's right. got over 400 compounds, you know, within mm-hmm. this remarkable plant. Um, and generally speaking, the conventional medical system does not like that. They like to isolate and, mm-hmm. you know, and throw it at a symptom pattern and see what happens. Right. And that's hard because cannabis works best with the entourage effect, as we know. Exactly. <laughs> so isolated, even in, you know, a scientific study, we may not really get the true information if they're not looking at the whole plant. Yeah. I mean, I have the experience of knowing people that have used, you know, uh, synthetic THC Marimol, mm-hmm. and they've also used, you know, uh, the whole plant. And it's pretty incredible. You know, um, most of the patients that I've known that have used Marinol, they're like, it's, it gave me all the side effects and none of the happiness. <laughs> oh, that's no good. Yeah. Now what about kids? So there's so many uh, today, we see stories of, uh, you know, families um, being displaced and migrating to a state where they can help their child with seizures or Crohn's disease, serious illnesses. Um, And so, you know, is uh, is mainstream medicine looking at that or we we still can't because of the inability to study? Um, I know in the Northeast here, there's there's a, we're starting to see a lot more uh, interest in cannabis in the conventional field. Nice. I can't speak for the rest of the country. I mm-hmm. don't know what else is going on. Um, I think, you know, our legislators, our federal government, our state governments, they really, we really need to look at that. You know, mm-hmm. there are families that are uprooting their entire lives, leaving jobs, leaving their support networks to go to a place where they're, they're the struggling family member can live an improved quality of life and manage their symptoms. You know, that's, that's wrong. That's a tough decision for, uh, for parents to make because yeah. in many cases they're leaving their whole um, community, you know, and, yeah. and okay. extended family yeah. simply to take care of their child, which, you know, is amazing. And we've seen results as time has gone on for, for many of these children. Um, so what, in your opinion, what will really help medicine and even just average people, you know, cause our opinions are a little skewed. We talk a lot to people in the cannabis community, sure. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, our uh, bias is, yeah, we got a little bias there. <laughs> yeah. You know, so how can we help people to kind of cross that bridge and see how this is medicine for children in many cases? 
I think, you know, advocates need to come away from the, well, I don't even think advocates, advocates like you and I, we're very, I think we're, we're very realistic. So sure, we have a bias toward cannabis, but we're mm -hmm. also realistic. We understand that this is a substance and it needs to be treated as a substance. Right. Um, I think, you know, advocates and activists in the cannabis space need to stop making this sort of panacea of cannabis. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it is a substance. It needs to be treated as a substance. Right. Um, and I think that, I, and I think it just also just comes down to education, mm -hmm. you know, um, so that's, you know, that's essentially like in my field, in the nursing field, you know, that's one of the things that I've participated in is really helping other nurses understand, you know, cannabinoid therapeutics. Um, Thank you so much for that. You know, that's, I, I agree with you. That's, that's where it can kind of start and, and physicians need more education too. But the yeah. nurses, you really have the physician's ear. You know. Yeah, and we're also, you know, nurses are charged with patient care. Mm -hmm. We really are. We are the care providers. I'm not saying that doctors aren't, but we are the ones that that is what we go to school to learn. We learn right. how to care for people right. um, in, you know, in a medical and therapeutic sense. And, um, and I think that the, it's the nurses that, you know, I, I talk to nurses all the time who would never even have thought about medical cannabis, um, mm -hmm. you know, and now they're coming they have too many patients. I can't tell you how many times I hear this. They have too many patients coming to them and asking them about cannabis and they have not, they don't know where to start. Wow. And, um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, this movement has always been driven by patients. Mm -hmm. I think it will always continue. It would think it will continue to be driven by patients. But now I think that it's, it's, it's gone to the point where it's, you can't ignore it. Right. It's, it's wolf. It's willful ignorance at this point for health providers in mm -hmm. any in any field right. to ignore the therapeutic profile and benefit of cannabis medicine at this point. I agree with you, and that that's for all ages, whether it's mm -hmm. children who need it. Um, we we're talking about pregnancy, adults, mm -hmm. um, elders. So uh, thank you so much for all the work that you do. Um, thank you. Whether it's through your writing. Um, you're breaking the stigma all the time and you're doing it directly with people who care for others. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, this has been very informative. I'm so glad you joined me today. And I'm uh, happy to be here, Wendy. I've missed you. <laughs> I missed you too. Uh, so please tell us uh, where people can get in touch with you. Sure. You can reach out to me on my blog. It's holisticnursemama.blog. And then you can also um, send me an email, marissa at holisticnursemama.com. Thanks so much. You're so welcome. Joining me now is Wendy and Tommy Turner parents of Colton Turner, who I'm sure everyone knows if you're watching this show. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Um, so, uh, so you two uh, are parents to Colton Turner, and he is a medical cannabis patient. But I wanted to get your perspective as parents, how that was coming to the decision to use cannabis for his, um, for his illness. It was a difficult decision. Uh, the he had gone through a lot of biological medications before we decided to move to alternative treatments. Right. And, and Colton has Crohn's disease for people who yeah. don't know. 
Um, and yeah. how old was he at that time? Uh, well, he was 11 when he was diagnosed and he was, um, he was 13 when we started using cannabis um, illegally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then, yeah. Well, and, then, and, and so, and, and so your background, were, were you cannabis enthusiasts or were you, um, no, you know, no. quite the opposite, actually. Yeah. We were, you know, at that, at, at that stage in life, you, you know, being young kids, getting married, you know, having kids of your own growing up, you try to do what you think is right. And mm -hmm. you trust the system that's been presented to you. So, mm -hmm. you know, growing up, believing what the schools are telling you and the police mm -hmm. officers are telling you and the government is telling you, you know, dare you, you want to believe that cannabis is a horrible thing you know mm -hmm. and that you know you crack the egg and there's your brain on drugs any questions you know, right I, rem I remember that very very well <laughs> exactly you know right. it was beat into our brains and that's what yeah. we believed and we we wouldn't have people in our life that were involved in and in even just smoking cannabis just simply because we thought you know if we accepted that as parents our kids would feel like that was more acceptable too as they became young adults and were making their own decisions so we tried to prevent that sure but then you're faced with it with a child that you love so much who is so sick and right. this option seemed like a viable option absolutely it, it really did and we were really really scared and shocked because we weren't those types of parents that thought well let's give our child a, a schedule one illegal drug right then right we were told all of our lives that was bad for us that was a gateway drug that would make us insane that would make him amotivational that um would do all these horrible things to him mm -hmm. um or anyone right. and here we are saying look at this study it, th this isn't saying what everybody else is it's saying to us. This is yeah, very everything. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and where where was that study from that you originally looked at? It was from Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's another issue here in the United States. The studies are not adequate um, no. because because it's been a Schedule One uh, drug, right? Right. So right. Um, so what made you look that up? Did someone mention it to you or? Well, we saw Charlotte on on weed right. um with with sanjay gupta and we were like well if it if it's it was just simple well, logic if if it would work on a child that was having seizures then it wasn't going to hurt a child that didn't have seizures mm -hmm. um and so that was that was really our 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 big situation right there is that you know he didn't have seizures and this was working for her, mm -hmm. but yet it was supposed to bring inflammation down. Well, right. that's what he was dealing with was inflammation. Right. So we, we were like, okay, you know, this, this is something that we need to look into. And we, we saw her episode in September of 2013 right. and October 1st of 2013 is when that study came out. Mm -hmm. Wow. And okay. And so we were right on the the, the cusp of the of a total change mm -hmm. in all of cannabis and for Crohn's disease too. Right. Um, and it was we were we were just really lucky to be able to mm -hmm. to hit it right at the right time. 
The universe is always working in our favor. I really believe that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Universe yeah. loves the Turner family. Yes, I'm happy that the universe does. I think when you love it, it loves you back. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so are you happy with the choice you made? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It, yeah. We were so grateful that for whatever reason, the universe, the whatever, the God, the, you know, whatever you want to, to call it, told us not to be scared of THC. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we were like, well, you know, how bad could it be if he's high on morphine 24 seven, Right. then, you know, what's the difference in, in cannabis high, Right. you know, because morphine is going to hurt his brain cells. Right. Right. You know, the cannabis and, is not right. And the liver, you know, so there's a lot of issues. Exactly. Um, so I'm so glad that you were open-minded enough um, to, to move forward and find this because we love Colton and he has so much to give the world. And I'm glad that he uh, is feeling better and that you gave that gift to him. I, it, you know, we didn't give that gift to him. I always say that if it wasn't for our OGs, for our hippies, for the people that were incarcerated because of this plant, we would never be where we are today. Yep. So this is, we, we were able to be, to do this because of people like that. Yeah. And um, we're we are grateful. We're yeah, we're benefactors, you know, mm -hmm. and we just want to pass it on. And, and Right. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes. And please, uh, what is um, the web address for the foundation? The web address for the foundation is www.thecoltonturnerfoundation.org. Excellent. If you want more information or hear more about the story, check it out. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. In this segment, I'm joined by Danielle Simone Brand, author of Weed Mom, The Can of Curious Woman's Guide to Healthier Relaxation, Happier Parenting, and Chilling the F Out. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thanks, Wendy. It's great to be here. Those are all wonderful goals. Um, as a parent, <laughs> um, I can say that those, uh, those definitely were goals that I had when my kids were, were young, particularly. Um, so you released this book uh, kind of right before uh, the pandemic hit and the lockdown hit. How's that, that been for you, releasing a book uh, right before that? It's been really interesting. So, um, so I, I actually signed the book deal in January of 2020 and then the lockdowns hit. So I wrote it mostly during lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, really thankful that my partner was home during that time and able to take over more of the childcare because otherwise, wow, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to get it done. Right, right, <laughs> right. And, and yet I think it, it makes it even more important at that time. You know, many parents have been home with their kids much more than usual and learning, you know, healthier relaxation techniques and using something that maybe is healthier than some alternatives out there is, uh, is really relevant, you know, and still, still so. I think so too. And I've gotten a lot of feedback and, you know, especially while I was even writing the book, I was interviewing cannabis moms from all over the country and they were saying things to me like, 
wow, you know, thank, thankfully there's cannabis right now because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's stress and anxiety. We're just, you know, off the charts, um, you know, like having to work and parent often, you know, from home 24 seven, everybody's around. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's a lot. And, you know, we're still dealing with that. Many of us. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. Um, So what, what motivated you to write the book? So I was, I was a freelancer writing about parenting on one hand and about cannabis on the other hand, kind of two separate beats and, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of kept my cannabis stuff, uh, you know, quiet from my parenting um, Mm -hmm. editors. (laughs) And then, um, but then once in a while for cannabis pubs, I'd be asked to write about like, you know, how to talk to kids if you're a consumer, Mm -hmm. you know, little, little pieces about, you know, the the crossover between cannabis and parenting. Um, And then as I became a little bit more known, I was living in San Diego at the time in my community as a weed mom, (laughs) Mm -hmm. people started coming to me and asking questions. You know, a lot of moms in my community were really curious, um, but, you know, not really sure where to start in the legal marketplace. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, okay, I have this expertise. I'm thick in the middle of raising my own kids. So I know sort of that everyday reality that a lot of moms are dealing with. Mm -hmm. So I thought, hey, this is the opportunity. You know, I know that that this plant can help moms in so many mm-hmm. ways if they knew about it and if they could, you know, feel comfortable experimenting. Sure. And do you think that there is more of a stigma with a so-called weed mom versus a mom who, you know, has a couple of glasses of wine to, to unwind? Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting because alcohol culture is so normalized in mm-hmm. mainstream parenting, you know, worlds. And, um, you know, I, I'm not judging that, but for myself, I don't find it very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and a lot of moms that I've been talking to have been saying, you know, as they age, especially alcohol is just metabolized differently. It feels different. It's not as comfortable and it certainly doesn't feel good the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I know cannabis to be so much more than an alternative to alcohol, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's right. like a comparison a lot of people can kind of understand. Sure. So I do use it sometimes. Um, I think that, you know, we need to get to those points of normalization with cannabis and it's mm-hmm. happening, but it's still slow. We're still like pushing that boulder. <laughs> sure. I know. I mean, I grew up in the seventies with, you know, just say no. And, you know, parents were sort of, they kind of knew where they should stand, where they should stand, right? Because just say no was so prevalent everywhere. It was just embedded in the culture. Yes. Um, but now I think, you know, so many states are legalizing, we're on the, the tip of federal ending, you know, ending of prohibition, which is exciting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, has it changed that much? You know, when you talk about that boulder, I'm kind of like, gosh, are we, where are we? You know, <laughs> are we still there? I think that it has changed, but it's, you know, it's, I mean, first of all, polls show that the majority of Americans are accepting of recreational mm-hmm. cannabis, right? Like 68% and much higher when it comes to medical. That's a big majority. So I do feel like the stigma is lessening, the acceptance is growing, but for, for moms in particular, for, you know, women who are parents in particular, I think that there is, uh, you know, a lot of judgment about perceived mm-hmm. failure, you know, perceived mm-hmm. moral failings, shall we say, even though cannabis is not that. Um. Right, right, right. It's so, it's, everything has been flipped upside down in, you know, in my mind. And, and we're, uh, you know, books like this, you know, thank you for writing it, because this helps us with breaking the stigma when you stand up and say, look, this is a healthier alternative and 
and a guide you can use. You know, how great is that? Um, so thank so, you. So as a guide, do you have um, a tip you could share from the book that uh, that you that with our listeners and viewers to kind of tease them to read the rest of it? Because <laughs> I think it's so important. That's that's an interesting question. I mean, so the book in terms of consumption guidelines is definitely geared toward, you know, newer users, but mm -hmm. I would say that the um, the cultural context of it all is something that, you know, even experienced users could probably, you know, benefit from and learn something from, um, you know, talking about, I talk about the origins of prohibition and, you know, the social mm -hmm. justice issues around legalization and, you know, how to talk to people in your community, including kids nice, and partners nice. and mm -hmm. friends and older folks, all that. So let's see, what is a good tip? I mean, I'd say for, for newbies, it's, um, you know, there's just the oldest, simplest advice, start low, go slow. Mm -hmm. You cannot hurt yourself with quality cannabis as long as you go slow and low. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, just add a little tiny bit at a time until you find your sweet spot, because I think we all have a sweet spot. We just, mm -hmm. you know, people who have had bad experiences with cannabis in the past, they didn't, they, they probably just didn't know enough to be able to calibrate for their own needs. Right. I think you're right. That's great advice. So where can people find this book? Uh, they can find it on um, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org, Amazon. Um, if you ask your local bookseller to order it for you, that's like book people love that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. Let's keep the local bookstores open. I love that as well. Yes, um, thank sure. you so much for joining me. Thank you, Wendy. It's been a pleasure. Mine as well. Well, I hope people enjoyed all the information and varied opinions from our guests today about cannabis and parenting. It was really mm -hmm. informative. Um, so what have you been watching lately? Um, I have been, uh, I have fallen in uh, to a, uh, a deep hole of, um, of watching uh, a commentary tracks uh, for various uh, movies and uh, TV productions. Mm -hmm. um it's That's fun cool. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it because it's always fun to kind of like hear like what like the people making it are like like oh yeah thinking about it like mm -hmm. while the season's uh happening so a lot of times um it'll be some of the actors on there but um sometimes it'll be like the directors and producers and writers and stuff and they're like oh this took forever oh like we were you know racing up to do you know this and that so it's just kind of like cool um, yeah I would I think I would like that it's really fun to get the behind the scenes stuff and what they were thinking mm -hmm. especially as people who make some film you know it's it's kind of cool to see what their motivation is yeah so check that out definitely what have you been watching <laughs> I have been watching uh something called what if and mm -hmm. um I think I have sort of a love-hate relationship with it <laughs> I cannot stop watching it but the characters some of them are, they're really ruthless, you know, and mm -hmm. like, I feel it in my bones, the, just the ruthlessness and, but also they've all at one time or another suffered different types of trauma. So I can kind of see how they, the character was developed that way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Um, can I give it a bud is the question. Mm. <laughs> because I, like I said, I really, it's just because of my own preferences about things. I don't think like things that are scary. It isn't really scary. There's a lot mm -hmm. of buildup and intrigue um, and secrets, you know, that unfold through it. Um, so it yeah. keeps you really interested. 
um, it's just that some of the characters are really heinous, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I, I would, I'm going to give it a bud. I'm going to give it a bud. Yeah. All righty. A anything heinous that, bud. <laughs> What's a strain I really don't like very much. Let me think. Um, I don't know. I can't think of it, but um, yeah, it'll just be a heinous bud. There we go. <laughs> that might be a good strain name, maybe. Oh yeah, heinous bud. <laughs> I yeah. want some of that heinous bud today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, I was thinking of another story about pan parenting and cannabis that I think is hilarious. So mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to just mention it here. <laughs> so when I was a teenager, I spent a lot of time at my ex-husband's house. You know, obviously mm -hmm. we weren't married then; we were teenagers. And yeah. uh, and his parents. Wouldn't that be funny if, as teenagers, you were like, "Oh yeah, this is my ex-husband." <laughs> like <laughs> that'd be funny. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so his parents also, I feel, were really indoctrinated by the drug war, but mm -hmm. they were curious. They were curious. Ooh. So someone bought a joint I think it would they bought it already rolled which was unusual at the time mm -hmm. and put it in the cookie jar in the kitchen <laughs> because they bought it but they were afraid to smoke it yeah and so um they then they forgot about it and so one day uh one of the family members opens the cookie jar to get a cookie and they're like what is this who are the pot smokers in this house? <laughs> and they had to fess up that they bought, they went to the trouble to find, you know, a hookup to buy it. Yeah. And had it and just couldn't bring themselves to smoke. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, so the first time that, um, that I, um, oh, my goodness, I don't know. I don't know what the, um, what the statute of limitations are for uh -oh. traveling with with cannabis but I won't say where I was yeah there we go I won't say where I was they can't get me if they don't know where I was at there you go there we go um ooh, I'll say I was in some foreign country okay then they really sure. can't get me um big so, brother is watching the Wendy Lovett show yes um so uh so so funny so so on my trip back from Zanzibar I, that was the first time I had gotten, um, so, okay, so, okay, my introduction to, um, smoking cannabis was actually not with, like, well, my first commercial introduction to it of, like, I went, I bought it, you know, I, you know, I sought it out, it didn't just happen upon me. Okay. Um, was I was I was one of those people that I like I only smoked um like the wax and stuff you know like uh -huh. through one of those um like you know like heat up coil pins sure yeah and whenever I like brought it back from Zanzibar I was so like nervous and so like if I puff it up in in my one bedroom apartment my neighbors and the landlord will smell it and come kick me out. You know? Right, right. I know it creates so much fear. Prohibition creates fear and worry and laws to put people away. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's not it's helpful. It's awful. 
It's awful. And prohibition now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, coming up next, we have 13 queer things. I wonder what he's talking about today. Sorry about that. Hello, and welcome to my apothecary. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome to another installment of 13 Core Things, and I am your host for this segment, Trevor Kogan. So, uh, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about cannabis and parent, or parenting and cannabis, parental relationships and cannabis. And I thought it would be really, really cool um, to go into uh, a little bit of the uh, Kogan family background, uh, meet some of our um, more interesting uh, family members. <laughs> so um, I had the pleasure of speaking with uh, my cousin from Ontario, Canada. Yeah, I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side of the interview with him. Hello. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? What's happening? How's your day been? Peachy. Nice. Uh, you know what? Not enough people say the word peachy. Not enough people say that word. I love the word uh, peachy to describe a feeling, you know? Peachy keen, actually, used to be. Yeah. Uh. Now, what is what is what does keen mean? Does keen just mean like what does that mean? Does it mean like well or like well preserved? What does keen mean? Keen in its essence means uh, sharp. Oh, okay. Aware. So, Aware. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah, so PJ Keen. So it's like, like I'm happy and I'm alert. So don't you Amen. be trying to get one over on me, you busters, because I'm Peachy Keen. Yeah. yeah, that should have been it like was. a cartoon detective's it's... name, Peachy Keen. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah, that, that could have been, yeah. Yeah, like you can't, that like, oh my goodness, and at the end, like, like, like after the bad guys caught, they could be like, ah, well, We've caught another one. You can't get nothing past yeah. Peachy Keen. Yeah. <laughs> no, because Peachy Keen is hot on the case. Hot. And taking names. <laughs> so what else are you getting up to? What else are you, uh, what are you smoking? So this is just cigarettes. Okay, nice. I used to smoke marijuana. Do you ever smoke marijuana? Yes, I do. I'm a big proponent. I'm like, yes, get high mm. now. Get high now. I used to smoke the best marijuana. Back in the day, like when I smoked marijuana, I want to, this might age me a bit. Oh, how old? Oh, oh do you not want to say how old you are? I'm 42. Okay, that, that's cool. how old I am. Uh, that's how old I am. Yeah. In my high school days, mm-hmm. like I don't know how old are you. How old are you? I'm 25. 
So when you were about five years old, I'm sitting in a circle smoking hash and marijuana with like mm -hmm. 20 in my butt. Like, that's mm -hmm. how it went. Like, yeah. like almost like it was from the 70s. It was beautiful. So have you smoked since then? Like, like have you ever like tried the uh, what's out there now? I have recently, yes. Is it better than the old stuff? Is it just as good? Is it worse? I, I, it's not. It's you, you never, ever, you can never compare dust to diamonds. And I mean, it was good marijuana, man. It was, there was nothing wrong with it. It was fantastic. You could smoke a joint and you would be high. And the biggest issue was uh, whatever coffee shop you walked into or whatever, uh, whatever public scene you walked into, you were paranoid about. Oh, people uh, knowing they, you were high? Yeah. Do they know? <laughs> they yeah. So did you, uh, were you smoking whenever uh, you were like, like still at your parents' house? Like how they feel about you smoking? Well, she didn't know. My mom, my mom didn't know. Ooh, would they have I scared or like would, would, would they have been like, what? You're smoking weed? I smoked weed every day for like three years, but I never, ever brought it home. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this installment of 13 Core Things. I have been one, Topher Kogan. I'm Dr. Brian Nickel, your cannabis expert for CannabisExpertMD.com with another music and cannabis pairing for the Wendy Love Edge Show. Wendy's musical guest this week is Dale Stokes. Now, Dale describes himself as a singer, songwriter, poppy, and piddler who provides a perfectly acceptable waste-of-time experience. Dale sounds like the uh, kind of musician that really writes songs for himself and plays for himself and looks to the audience to be the subject of his next tune. I listened to his cut, I Want to See Ray Widely. Now, that's just Dale and his six-string acoustic guitar telling a story about a beer-drinking fan in the crowd. For this, I was looking for a relaxing strain that will uh, kind of let you close your eyes and watch the tale that uh, Dale tells unfold in your mind. For this, I selected Natural State Medicinal's White Widow, as always, based on the cannabinoid and terpene profiles available to me. Uh, White Widow shows a 15.5% THC level, pretty potent strain, with a little bit of trace CBD in it. As always, we look to the terpenes to flesh out the headspace that this particular strain will give us. And it's potent at 1.98% total terpenes. It's heavily terpenoline dominant at 1.43% with just a little bit of beta-caryophyllin at 0.2% and myrcene at 0.12% showing up, the remaining terpenes that show are at very, very low levels and are probably inconsequential. Terpaline dominance is somewhat rare in most cannabis strains. Uh, it should be a very uh, chill, relaxing kind of experience at low to moderate doses. In the higher dose range, it may be somewhat sedating to some patients. Now, uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I've been told by some of my lady patients that uh, White Widow, it's a bit of an aphrodisiac for them. So be careful with this one, girls. Uh, White Widow should be just the chemo var to enjoy the tales uh, spun by the Dave Stokes music experience, so to speak. 
For more information on medical cannabis, check us out at CannabisExpertMD.com. We're also available on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and Twitter under CannabisExpertMD. And now I introduce to you Dale Stokes with I Want to See Red Wiley. You know, I was thinking about singing a song that uh, would inspire everybody to make the world a better place to live in. But nah, instead I think I'll just play a song about the last time we went to see Ray Wiley Hubbard at Georgia's Majestic. Well, the opening act was ready. She had a job to do, no doubt. It was an hour's worth of beer to sell before her time ran out. Well, the crusty old couple moseyed in, did not make a sound, at least until the show began. Then the woman came on a while. Well, she said, I want to see Ray Wiley. Just 
Well, what a great show it's been. What an amazing show it's been. I, I didn't realize how many stories I have from my own upbringing and how my parents were dealing with cannabis or, mm-hmm. um, or other you know, extended family, but there's so much there. And the reefer madness is, was really thick. You know, Between Nancy Reagan saying, just say no, everybody was saying that, just say no. Um, yeah. and, and dare. Um, you know, I, I don't think cannabis has had a chance and I don't know how much has really changed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if I could go back into my childhood um, with the knowledge that I know now, I would have searched uh, my granddad's house a lot more thoroughly <laughs> because, because, even, because even though like, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the memory of scent is there, I could not tell you where he hid it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. So yeah, yeah. I if I could go back in time, I'd be like, okay, okay, young Topher, find this weed, find it, <laughs> find it. <laughs> I pray for the day. Still, I say it almost every show now, where prohibition ends, <laughs> and uh, but that's not going to necessarily change people's minds. That just changes the law. So, you know, so what we're doing and what lots of activists are doing, talking about it and bringing it forward is, is still vitally important, um, you know, because kids, especially when children need it, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of places are still fighting about whether they can have it at school. Um, you know, there's a lot of so many things surrounding it. Um, yeah, I don't want to see. Um... I don't want to see uh, my young cousins or my young nieces and nephews uh, getting pulled over at their locker side, you know, and and shaken down for their CBD lollipops. I don't want <laughs> right? to see that. Right? That's too much. It's too much. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> but we are still here, partly due to our sponsors. So we should probably name them. All right. All righty. 131 Inclusion Gallery. Karis Healthcare. Purely Natural CBD. NWA Natural Living. Arkansas Hemp Genetics. Opal Stack. Uptown Kitchen and Tap House. Lit Premium Smoking Supplies. Mary Will Nourish. Highlands Residential Mortgage. Linda Nelson for Peace at Home Shelter. And Country Dock Walk-In and Wellness. He's been Topher. And she's been Wendy. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.